Alrighty, well, I am going to share what the Lord has placed on my heart. Sean feels that I'm filled with stuff. <laughs> um, but I do feel like the Lord has, has spoken something. And so, Father, I just come right now. I just ask God that you would give us ears to hear today, Father. Um, that we would hear from your spirit, that we'd be changed and we'd be transformed into your image. In Jesus' name. Um, so, usually when I speak, I'm always from the 30,000-foot view. I like, I like bringing stuff together. And so, as I was preparing, I've been going over um, the last year's worth of messages that, we've been, that have been spoken to us. And I just want to start, though, by saying that we are living in a remarkable time. We're living in probably, it's an unprecedented time in history that we're experiencing real time. Um, and as the church, there's a, there's a couple of things going on. One thing is, is we don't know what's going on. We're like seeing all kinds of things happen. There's something in your spirit. You know something's going on. But none of us really know what it is and what's exactly happening. Some people have... Um, felt like it's the end times coming on. I personally absolutely don't believe it because the church is not beautiful. And, and I think that is a very um, sure thing that gives us a real indication of what the Spirit is doing now because he said he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And right now she's ugly. And she's got lots of spots and lots of wrinkles. And so God is intent on doing something. And I'm sharing that to say that regardless of the fact that we don't really know what's going on, what is God saying in the midst of it to us? And what's interesting is God's not been speaking about the, the, he's not been giving us information about all the confusion. One of the things he's been saying to us is about maturing the bride. And over the last year, all we've heard over and over and over again, and, and none of us that, that, that preach from this pulpit ever, like, it's not like we're getting together and coming up with a theme and then writing that theme. Everything that you're hearing is something that God's been speaking to us personally. And then what we find out is, is everybody's hearing the same thing. And so there is a word from heaven. There is a sound from heaven that is beginning to speak to us about the maturing of the bride. Now, that's an important thing. First, I want to, and this is, let me start in Luke, because this is where this verse has been ringing in my head. So I'm in Luke 8. This is the parable of the sower. And it says, as the large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from every town, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on in the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seeds fell on the rock. When it grew up, it withered away since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it. Still other seeds fell on good ground. When it grew up, it produced fruit a hundred times what was sown. And as he said this, he called out, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. And that is the verse that's been ringing in my head is anyone that has ears to hear, listen. There is a sound that the Spirit is saying to us, listen, listen. And it's been probably two years now that God has been saying, you're not ready. You're not ready. You're not ready. And he's been talking to us about maturity over and over again. And so what I'm saying to you is we need to have ears to hear. We need to, to, 
to recognize what the Spirit of God is speaking to us and pray that God would open our ears that we could hear him. Because if we didn't need what he was saying, he wouldn't be speaking it. If it was a message for some other congregation, he wouldn't be saying it to us. The idea that we have been sitting on this one theme for the amount of time that we have is saying to us that the Lord is speaking a very clear message to us as the body here and saying we have to come into a place of maturity. And this is a, it's a serious time because the nearness of the Lord is coming. He is coming. We've already seen signs of it, and it's only going to get greater and stronger. There is an answer from heaven that is coming to answer in this hour. And I, can get, I promise you that darkness is not overtaking the earth without the Spirit of God raising up a standard against it. Okay? There is a standard coming. And we can clap, but I'll tell you what, that standard is coming to the church first. And that is the serious thing that I want to talk to you about is that there is a standard that is being raised, but he's coming to the church with it first. And he has been telling us for two years that we need to mature as a body. And that means that we're going to be in serious shape when he shows up with his presence. And I'll tell you, history tells us from revivals past when the nearness of the Lord comes, judgment comes to the house and the things that you think you're getting away with, God has bypassed it. He's winked at some of our sins of our heart. He has not. And when his spirit comes, we will, it'll be dealt with. And there is, there is consistent sin and humanism that is found in the body of Christ. COVID has done a, a, a great thing. It's sifted the body. There's many churches that closed and we think that's sad, but I'll tell you what, it's a sifting of the body of Christ. That's the beginning of judgment in the house of the Lord. There's churches that don't exist today because of what happened during COVID. But that doesn't mean, oh, well, we passed because we're still open. God is coming near and he's looking for a bride that is going to emanate who he is, that she's going to be transformed and change the earth because of her beauty and her likeness and resurrection power that she has because of him. Okay. So I want to go down to the interpretation of it. It says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may may not believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, having no root. These believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. And as for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, her fruit. But the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who have heard the word with an honest and good heart and hold on to it, and by enduring, produce fruit. And this is when it's talking about mature fruit and producing fruit. And this is an indication for us. This is one of the reasons that all of our counseling teams are exhausted, because we're producing fruit in our own likeness. If we were producing fruit in his likeness, our burden would be light. Because we would be seeing transformed lives. There's a place that the church needs to come up into a new space where we believe God. Do you know almost, I'm not going to say all the time, but very frequently when the spirit of God shows up here on a Sunday morning, God is gracious. And you know what he speaks to us? What has he been saying during those times? This happens super frequently. He begins to minister to us about trusting him. 
about having faith in God. Almost all of the guest speakers that come in talk about dealing with the lack of faith in the room. This is a consistent thread that has happened over and over. Church, we've got a problem when the presence of the Lord shows up and all we can do with it is scrape ourselves up off the floor to believe that he even is able and exists and has power to save and heal us. And that is where we are. That is, that is happening real time with us. And this is what I want you to see. We need to look at our hearts because the spirit of the Lord is looking to and fro and he sees your heart. He sees my heart. I've been being so convicted and struck because the nearness is coming and I see it and I sense it. And there is a fear of the Lord that needs to come on the house. And we need to come up into a place that we're not dealing with the elemental things of the gospel again. Um, I'm going to get ahead of myself because there's a scripture I want to read that says that. But before that, I want to read. Um, I love this book, you guys. I read it last time, right? About the, the martyrs. This is, um, it's a book, The Victory of the Cross, chapters from the history of the early church. But I wasn't going to use this, and then I picked it up this morning. And I want you to listen to this, because this is the exact, this is real time, the parable that we just read. And this is how it played out in history. It says, the church had enjoyed peace many years, and when this storm broke, the persecution came as a great surprise. None had dreamed that the peace of the church would again be disturbed. During the 30 years of peace, de- peaceful development, many who were Christians by name only had joined the church. These now became apparent as such. This is when persecution hit. And at the very beginning of this perse- persecution, many so-called Christians denied the faith. They had never been believers at heart. Others withstood the tortures for a brief space of time and then lapsed and sacrificed to the heathen gods or the emperor's image. Their faith had no root. In order to tempt the more faithful among the Christians, means were devised to give the denial a more harmless appearance. They were permitted to simply throw a little incense on the fire burning before something, some image of the heathen gods. Those who had so sacrificed were given a certificate testifying to the, fa- the, to the fact But such certificates were soon granted to anyone who was willing to pay a trifling price for them. And the magistrates were satisfied they knew that the state had nothing to fear from any Christian who was not inflexibly loyal to his God. And when I read that, I thought, wow, that is the parable of the sower, right? The the first ones, they had no root. They, they, They had an affinity towards God. And those people that have joined the church because it's a cool community and they have an affinity towards the love of God, those are the ones that are going to fall away very quickly. There is a time coming that's at hand. And, and I'm saying this, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm pleading with you to hear because this is, it's getting to a place of seriousness because it's been spoken so frequently in our midst. And the idea of establishment is the place of planting roots down so that we're unshakable. Um, I had shared with you guys before um, the first one, and it was all, I had, I had experienced two armed robberies in my life, and the first one, and it was all within a span of four weeks that I was, I was held at gunpoint, which is really weird, but um, the first time that it happened, I was shaken. Um, you know, when I saw the person coming in, I didn't know what they were going to do, but I, I felt like an alarm in my spirit, and I started praying in tongues. But when they called me over, I was really surprised when they pulled the gun out, and then they said they were going to shoot me if this guy didn't do what he wanted. 
And I'm sitting there going, Jesus. I'm like looking around like, where are you, God? Where, where, what's going on? Um, and I was shaken in my faith and my confidence in him. Like I felt like this, okay, all right, all right, what's going on here? What's going on? But then three weeks later, a much more dangerous situation happened. And I was alone at a bank machine and I had gotten in my car and they came over and held the gun to my head through the window. And they said, open up or I'm going to shoot you. And it was the second time. And I was like, oh no, oh no devil. And it was literally like the power of God came on me and superwoman like came out. And I said, no way, this isn't happening today. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you like a crazy person. I screamed it. And, and he goes, I'm serious. And I said, I am serious too. And, um, but I'm sharing that to say that there is, there's a time we have to grow into that place of confidence in him. And the first time I didn't have it, but, but I'm saying at some point you have to gain a place of confidence. Charles Finney had some of the most, um, stable conversions of the faith, partly because when people came to an altar call, he sent them away to have an encounter with God. They did not have a prayer of faith, a prayer of, oh, identify and love Jesus. They had to go and encounter the living God. They didn't struggle with faith or hope because their salvation was based on the power of this living God that they had encountered as a salvation experience. And we as a church have to come into a place that our salvation is based on this living God. Our hope is solidly seated with confidence in the power of the living God to save us. And that means to save us by his resurrection power. And we die to ourselves and we are raised with him and we live with him in his power and demonstration of the spirit. And all of our fleshly ways, our attitudes, our our humanistic thinking, everything is submitted under his lordship and righteousness. And we are turned into superheroes of the gospel, superpowered, supernatural beings that don't operate as mere mortal men, but as men that have been bought with the price by the spirit of the living God. Amen. Sean, can you please hand me that water? I'm stirred up. That's why I'm shaking up here. Sean laughs at me because I know you're going to get there and shake and preach the word. (laughs) Okay. I want to turn to Hebrews 5. This is verse 11. It says, we have a great deal to say about this. And it is difficult to explain since you've become too lazy to understand. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Lord, have mercy. We need that right now, right? We need our senses to be able to discern Everything is very confusing right now. There's a lot of nefarious stuff going on. And many of us are even afraid to look at it, let alone discern between good and evil in it. But there is a maturity of the body that God is calling us to, that we come to this place that we can discern that we're able 
to look out and know and have confidence in God and see in the spirit of things that are happening. One of the most valuable things we learned from Carolyn Ferry is we've been doing prayer training with her, but super powerful because she talks about when you pray, not every prayer is a breaker. And the prayers that we want to tap into are the ones that are birthed in the spirit. And so we always start by praying in the spirit, begin to hear from heaven, and then begin to speak what heaven says. And there's a power with that type of prayer that breaks up the atmosphere. But you can't do that if you're struggling with doubt and unbelief. You can't do that if when the spirit of God shows up, you're just trying to use it just to say, oh, you're real. You showed up. You're here. We need to be in a place that when the spirit comes, it's not a shock to us. Like that second time that I was held up, it wasn't a shock to me anymore. Then the power of God came and it was like I stood and held my ground in the spirit. I said, I'm not, you know, I'm, I, don't, I don't pack heat ever. I, I have a gun license, but I don't really carry a gun because I'm packing the Holy Ghost. God, help somebody that tries to take me before my time because all of heaven will come and answer for me. And that is where we need to be, is that we recognize the power of God in our lives. And we can pray prayers that are solidly grounded in that place, that they're not prayers of wavering and hoping that this God that we have an affinity towards might hear us and possibly loves us enough to answer. It says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teaching. Listen to this, guys. The elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith in God. Faith in God. That is an elementary teaching. He says, let us not lay again this. This is, this is what's for the infants. This was when you first got saved. We need to be at a place that we know who God is. That we know the greatness and the severity of his power. And if we understood the severity of his power, you would know that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And the day and hour that we are in, his presence is coming. His nearness is coming to the earth again. And I know he lives inside of us. I know that whole theology, but I'm telling there's epics and seasons of time that his presence comes down and makes a mark in revival history. We've seen it over and over again. And we are right at the, the, the beginning of that starting to happen right now. And it is a fearful thing when he shows up because he's showing up to clean his church. He's showing up to make us a bride without spot or wrinkle. And we can, we can set up barriers and be like, oh, in our arrogance, oh, who are you? how could you say that about me? You know, you're talking to me. I'm telling you, we need humility because God doesn't care about your arrogance. He doesn't care about your humanistic thinking. When he shows up, he's showing up as God. And it's going to be a serious thing. This is so burdened in my heart. I've been feeling this. We've been praying this on Thursday mornings, that God wants to bring his church into a place of unity of mind and heart. But he can't do that if we all are living each to our own ways and we're not submitted to the greatness and the glory and sovereignty of the living Lord as bond slaves to what he's done for us. Paul says, Paul, a bond slave of Christ. Are we bond slaves? 
Are we a slave to what he wants? Have we taken our lives and called it nothing and made him the center? This is what Steve was talking about last week. He was talking about what moves you. Are you seeking first the kingdom of heaven and everything else, trusting that God will add when he wants to add to our lives? Are we going along and living as we want to? And this is why the impotence of the church has been seen and people come in and they say, who is your God? Because we are not a shining people of the supernatural. And I'm telling you, when Jesus comes back and it's going to be B.A. It's true. It's true. She's coming back and she's going to be rocking supernatural all the way. I'm talking power and glory, guys. We're going to know who God is. We're going to know who the bridegroom is. And we're going to be out touching lives, seeing people get saved, delivered, healed. Signs, wonders, and miracles are coming. And yes, let's rejoice in those. But in rejoicing in that, we must come to a place of humility in our hearts. And come before the Lord and say, God, is there any wicked way in me? Is there any place? Where is this? This come and and strip me of this doubt and unbelief that I'm continually going to the altar for over and over again. This is clearly an elemental teaching of Christ. If you've come into a place of salvation, this should not be. If that was 20 years ago, that shouldn't be where you are today. If it was four years ago, it shouldn't be where you are today. It's a place of knowing the living God. And going down further, it says, Now we desire each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for full assurance of your hope until the end. That we would demonstrate the full assurance of our hope. So that you won't become lazy, but will be imitators of those who inherit the promise through faith and perseverance. This is a word spoken to the church. And I feel like so many times we read it and we're like, oh, yeah, whatever. I don't know. It's for them. But this is us. He's talking to us. He's literally talking to us. And he has said this over and over again for two years. That's because he's talking to us. And now we need to become a people who hear, that have ears to hear, and have hearts that are softened, and that will come and say, God, teach me, show me, break my heart for what breaks yours. It's, it's fun. I'll tell you what, I, am, I love rhetoric. I love the power of God. I love preaching and getting excited about it. But that's not what matters at the end of the day. It's a good message. It's going to matter when... You're using it at home. You're a bond slave to Christ with your family. You're a bond slave to Christ with your relationships in church. You're a bond slave to Christ when you think your way is better and God has asked you to honor leadership. That's where it matters. It really doesn't matter how good our preaching is. And Jesus is coming and he is Lord and he's going to show himself. That is true. That is all true. But he's coming and he's saying, I want you to partner with me in this. And right now, if we're not ready, we're not going to be able to partner with him. And it's going to be a serious thing because he knows how to break your heart. He knows how to bring submission and obedience. And those are called hard knocks. We know about hard knocks in farming. Our our farm lessons are hard lessons. They always end up with somebody dying. (laughs) Um, So it's true. It's true. Um, but in the same way, 
spirit lessons are hard lessons because it always ends up with you dying. Dying to your flesh. Dying to your own way. And submitting your heart to the ways of God. Amen? And this is the message that God is asking that you guys will open your ears to hear. It's, it's, a, it's a serious hour of where he's bringing us into. And um, darkness has seemed to prevail, but it's not prevailing for much longer. There is a power that's going to come back and be restored in the church, but he's getting his bride ready. That's the whole thing is the beginning of the siftings already happened. And now he's coming in to those places that are still open. And he's looking upon the congregations and saying, who has my heart? Who his salvation is based in hope and my greatness and knows me. And we make excuses for ourselves. And in this day, we need, when I say humility, that means you go away and you get before the Lord and you offer your heart and no excuses for your bad behavior. But we offer our heart to the spirit and allow his conviction to come in fully and break our hearts and fully die to ourselves that we might receive the resurrected life of Christ in us. When we, when we try to make our own way, when we have our humanism and we decide what's best, it limits the power of God. That's why we're limited. That's why we're wrestling with God over answers of being able to hear God because we're limited. Because no matter how we're coming before him and praying, we still know what's best. We're still making excuses for our humanity rather than just dying. When we can come to this place of submission, and this is why submission in the household is so important. This is why submission to one another is so important. This is why feminism has really wreaked havoc in the nations over submission. And it's not even really just submission like with women to men. It's um, men have cowered to it. I'm saying everything has been disturbed by this, this place of rebellion against the order of heaven. And that has caused this, this place where our, we have our own rights and our own ways. And we always demand what we want. And I know that, that we're like, oh, you know, as Christians, we don't feel that. But we really do do that. I'm saying, you know, we wouldn't say that really generally about ourselves. But the honest truth is, is that well, that's where we are. That's why we have bad attitudes. That's why we, we gripe and complain or gossip in the church. And it happens. We hear it all the time. People always having a better idea, better attitude and talking um, about or down about or about other people in the church or leaders or whoever. This happens real time. And this is what God is coming to deal with is this place of maturity where he's purified the words of our mouth. He's purified the desires of our heart. And he causes us to come into a place of unity of heart and mind that is so solidified by his spirit and his power and the washing of his blood that we are a force to be reckoned with because the unity is unsurpassed. Jesus said, God, make us one. Father, make us one. As you and I are one. Jesus and the Father are one. Do you know what that means? That is powerful. The oneness of the Father and Jesus. And Jesus has brought us into that place and said, God, make them that way. Make them into this place where they love one another so passionately. And it is in this place that we're going to find the power and the demonstration of the Spirit. 
Each of us, not, not some other person, you. God wants you to walk in this power. He wants you to walk in this might. And he wants us to humble ourselves and come before the cross and just repent of those places instead of making excuses. Oh, I'm sorry, God. I was wrong. I'm sorry. And I'll tell you, those are powerful words. When we can humble ourselves in that way, the power of God comes in. We do it in encounters. Remember at encounters? How powerful is that, right? When we finally come in those places of bitterness and unforgiveness and angst, and we come and say, God, I was wrong, and I'm sorry. I'm going to allow you to be judge instead of me. And that place of humility, all of a sudden, the power of God comes in, and people are like, we're, we're singing and dancing, and there's so much power. But God wants to take that experience of encounter and bring it into the lifestyle of the church. Amen? And so I know this is a serious message, but I'm telling you, it's burning on my heart, and I believe it is a word for this hour. And it's been spoken to us over and over again, and we need to say, God, we're hearing now. We're hearing now. We're open we're hearing. We're available to you to come and, and change us and do what you do. And it's a serious message in the sense that the time is short. Every day, the, the, this, the, the, the nearness of God is coming closer and closer and closer. It's happening more and more. And so it's not like we have forever to make this decision. God is looking at us today and saying, choose who will you serve? Choose what it's going to look like in this hour when I show up for the great harvest. Where are you going to be in it? Will you be a casualty or will you be a fire? A minister on fire that's demonstrating my power and my glory. Sean, if you do want to come. I just want to kind of clarify a few things like that she said. Um, not clarify, but, but add in here. But, you know... Some of you have been paying attention, actually. I've, I've shared, I started a series, I gave an overview, and there was real resistance to it. So I broke it down even, even further and then realized, oh, I get it. There's a resistance to the message of being established in the gospel. How can we move on to vision and mission of the church and then leadership? Like, we're not even established in the gospel, like truly to where our lives are changed as a result. When we're established in the gospel, we shine, we radiate with a transformed life of Christ. It comes out, it's part of us. We exude that, not depression, not anxiety, not fear, not confusion, not like struggling with life, not stressed out. That's part of being established in the gospel. And so this is why I stopped and I had others come like, you know, Steve and Stephanie, Josiah, they're, they're, they're bringing in a different way of saying it, the same thing, trying to say like, let's, let's go, let's back off. You know, when you start to like confront something and it's like too much resistance, you got to back off. And then you just come at it from different ways and trying to break down the, the thing that, (coughs) the thing that is is holding people captive in their perceptions. And when she said, ears to hear, if you can't remember what was spoken on a Sunday, then you don't have ears to hear. Have you ever noticed that? You're like, yeah, amen, praise the Lord. What did, what did they talk about? 
I don't know. Well, that's a great indicator that you don't have ears to hear. When you have ears to hear, he who receives the word begins to do it. And I'm saying like, so your goal should be summarize it and say, God, give me an action plan. If you don't have an action plan after a Sunday or after a life group or after first principles class, then you don't have ears to hear. And I'm saying those of you who have not done first principles or you're not doing anything repetitively to learn and renew your mind and grow and be challenged, not intellectually in your life. Bottom line, we should all be bottom line business people over the spiritual state of our hearts. Is there continual transformation? Yes? Great. No? You got a problem. You got to do something about it desperately, more desperately than the air you breathe. You got to see continual transformation. If you don't, there's a problem. I implore you to get before God and see constant transformation. Well, I've been saved 30 years, so, you know, there's not much more that God can do in me. Are you daft? You're saying you've been saved for 30 years, so now there's no room to become transformed to Christ? You have a very, very small, shallow, immature understanding of the omnipotence, the, the great sovereignty of the creator of the heavens and the earth that knows 5,000 light years away like it was right here with this bottle. He can touch it. He can relate to it real time. He doesn't have to wait for 5,000 years to see it. He like senses all creation, knows exactly what's going on. We need to get set free from the ties of our past too. Past hurts, past disillusionments that are informing our future more than the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't care what God wants to do. If he wants to do it, I'm there. And if it ruffles my feathers and it's something that I said five years ago, I will never do that. I will die to my pride and all of that and just say, oh, well, looks like I was wrong because God is actually wanting me to do this. But the point of this all is, God must be number one. That is simply put, what everything has said over the past year, even guest speakers, prophetic words, is, but you're not being informed by God. You say you are out of a religious heart, a religious spirit, a religious mindset, but you're being informed by your past. You're being informed by, well, I'm not going to be this. You're trapped. When you don't have transformation, it is an indicator, whoa, I need to do something seriously here. If you aren't surprised by the happenings of God in your life, something's off, folks. Because he's a transforming God. He is a catalytic agent. He is constantly going deeper. I don't think there's a season where we don't feel like we're being pressed 
And say, God's saying, or through others that we say, well, that's just their opinion. Well, no, it's usually God uses the people around you to irritate you the most because you don't listen to him. So he has people say things and people are imperfect, so it's not in the best way. So we just like, oh, well, it's just that person has an issue. No, it's probably God. If you'd open your ears and hear, you just haven't been listening to him. So he's like, oh, gosh, they will not listen. I'll just send a few people to annoy them and try to get their attention. Okay. I, I have just a final word. I can't get away from it, Noah. But, like, I feel like the, the Lord is saying there's, you're in a place of indifference, a place that you've not been before in your life. There's strange, different, strange meaning not necessarily wrong, but just different, not understood emotions and thoughts and feelings and questions. And God wants you to know he's going to bring understanding and direction. You got to just hold on and persevere. There is a plan for you. He is processing you. You're a special forces type of guy. God will be using you soon in a whole new way. There's even a new partnership that's coming with you and Amy. Amy has a call. Your family has a call. And the Lord wants you to stir your family because there's a family purpose that he's trying to emerge and bring out of this place of indifference. I mean, it's not new that God has a plan for you. You knew it. But I want to affirm today that God is, God is all over the season that you are in. And it's okay for you to be a little miserable right now and saying, like, what the heck? And Father, I just pray, I pray that, we pray as a body, we pray that nothing will stop what God has planned for him, Amy, and the family. And I just pray for this season, this sacred season that's over their life. And I pray, Father, for the Spirit of the Lord to continue the work, continue the work, continue the work. We pray as a, as a body, we cover them right now and just say, let this be a safe season for them. We pray. We commit to prayer and, in, and petitions and intercession over their life and over the sacred ministry that you have for them, Father. Breathe upon them, Lord God. We just pray for a breaking off of any kinds of disillusionments or discouragements or any plans of the enemy that try to just steal away and rob the hope and the confidence. Just if you're around, just lay your hands on them, folks. Come on, just pray for them. Just pray for the Spirit of God to just, like, be upon them in this time. Lord, I pray for dreams and visions. I pray for, at night, that there'd be interceptions by the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit dreams. That there'd be just, right now, just a rising up of a knowing in their hearts. You know, I just felt like uh, the Lord brought up a, a, a testimony that I, that I want to share that's in line here. Um, you know, I was, a, I was a missionary's kid. I've seen God, um, you know, I've grown up in the church. I've seen God do miracles, supernatural miracles, physical healings, all of it. I've seen God do uh, miracles of the natural and, um, you know, things that naturally happen but were clearly the Lord. And, um, and just, 
some some months ago, um, I was I was praying uh, with with a dear friend, and uh, and the Lord just highlighted my my wicked heart of unbelief, and it was it was not that I believed that He could not do it. I did. I would profess with my mouth that I believe God. I would say that over and over again, but I I didn't believe that He would do it. And it was it was a hardness of heart, and and it was coupled with shame, and it was it was I was ashamed that I didn't trust God and I didn't believe God, and when I repented of it, I I broke down in tears and I I cried in a in a way that you know who knows if I have, but it's been a long time since I cried that way. Um, so so it was something that was really rooted in my heart, and I. We've, we were talking about unbelief, right? And, and we would all sit here and say, of course God can. Of course God can, right? We know this. We're, we, we believe the words, but do we believe it in our heart? And do we believe that he will, right? That's faith. And, and so um, some weeks ago, somebody, uh, I, I'm not sure exactly who, but somebody preached about Joshua and Caleb. And, and I think it's so, it's so telling Right, what happened with Joshua and Caleb going into the promised land. And you know, this is this is the, the generation that saw the miracles of God in Egypt, right? I mean, truly biblical miracles, right? They walked through the Red Sea, they they saw the miracles of God, manna from heaven, you know, all of it. And and yet they did not believe, right? It's I'm sure they they would have said, you know, I have I give mental assent. That, that God can give us the promised land, right? But they did not believe. They, they gave in to fear. And, and so that same generation that did not believe was chastised. And they were sent into the wilderness and they died, all of them. And so, you know, we have this moment, right? We've been told from, from this pulpit for years now that we have this moment. We get ready, get ready, get ready. Everybody's been saying that, get ready. And... And it's, gonna, it's coming to a point where if we don't deal with our unbelief, you know, the judgment starts in the house of the Lord, right? And that's, that is shown time and time again. So repent. We all need to repent of our wicked hearts of unbelief that we, that we don't believe that God will, right? We know that he can, but we need to have faith that he will. You know, I just, I feel like you, you guys can um, just, let's clear the stage. And if you could put on that, like when we first started break, it had that nice jazzy or whatever, I don't know. But it just put something on because I feel the need we need to consecrate our hearts. And that includes all of us. We need to have a response time and just come before the Lord because I feel like this is like a sacred moment, like, like time to get real with God, that it's not a decision here at the end of a service. It's, it's a decision where you're like, just let me out of here. After, after I like get this right, I just gotta, you gotta say something out of your heart to God, but then it's like, you're so determined to repent that we just say like, let me out of here. I just got to live differently. I just got to get out there and start living differently. I got to think differently. I got to act differently. I got to like make some change. Like, I don't want to just say another prayer. I want to, 
I'm going to vocalize my heart to God. And then I want out. I want to start doing it. I want to start repenting. I want to say, Lord, we're changing. I'm not playing games with you anymore. I'm going to spend time. I'm going to start working on my marriage. I'm going to start working on my humility. I'm going to start working on my hungering and thirsting for God. Like, that's it. And that's what I'm praying today, that God hits us all with this intensity to say, enough's enough. I got to grow. I got to move on. I got to see transformation. It's the only way. We're not meant to feed one another and help one another through our misery. We aren't creators. We aren't sources. God is our source. He's the one where the river of life flows from in abundance. To where we come here and we're not looking for a need to be met. We're coming ready to say, let me at it. This sense of being an agent of change and radical, like, like catalytic force to shift the atmosphere and release a harvest of souls. Let heaven come to earth. 